You're worthy to be praised and adored. And we love you, Lord, because you first loved us. You've given us all things, all things, all things that pertain to life and to godliness in the person of your son, Jesus. And so it's our our joy and it's our quest to unveil Christ uh, in our lives, to let us him be known to us and let him be known to others through our lives through our witness and through our testimony we thank you lord for the transforming power of the gospel in jesus name amen and praise god amen 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 so today we're going to talk about the cross and the fact that the cross restores our relationships man the cross restores our relationships it is so interesting that god puts first things first and the first thing he wants is for our relationships to be restored in Christ so we're going to talk about which relationships um, and how they're restored and how we can appreciate so much what the Lord has done uh, in in suffering for us sometimes we we as believers can put relationships on such a small level you know an insignificant level and put it right on the chair there Miss Adrian thank you we can put relationships on a, a lower level in our lives, you know, uh, we, especially when it comes to um, um, inviting other people in, making people feel welcome in the family of God. All of the things that God gives us to, to do for him. We can put on a small scale. Uh, most most places where you will go in church, when when people talk about being restored, and they talk about material things, you get a round of applause. Everybody's excited about that. But when they talk about uh, toughing it out in a bad marriage and seeing God restore that marriage to what he wants it to be you don't get much of a hand and you don't get much of a hand when it comes to talking about uh, uh, you know other types of relationships that we put relationships on such a, a low level but God holds them in high esteem that's that's the main thing so we're going to read uh, in Isaiah 53 and go through that scripture I know it's very familiar to all of us but we're going to read it with with understanding this time i'm going to read it to you first from the living bible because it was um interesting to me how how the what god wants to get across to us in in the king james 53 verse 1 starts who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the lord revealed and so if we bring it in a modern up-to-date level in the living bible it says but oh how few believe it who will listen to whom will God reveal his saving power in God's eyes he was like a tender shoot sprouting from a root in dry and sterile ground but in our eyes there was no attractiveness at all nothing to make us want him we despised him and rejected him a man of sorrows acquainted with the bitterest grief we turned our backs on him and looked the other way when he went by he was despised and we didn't care yet it was our grief he bore our sorrows that weighed him down then that interesting talks about despising somebody yet they are here for us they're carrying our burdens and yet we look at him as though he's carrying something that belongs to him i think that's interesting in the way people perceive christ and his people it says 
you know like for instance in in our day and age this controversy with the church being uh, hateful and and, uh, judgmental and all this kind of stuff and all of the things that are placed upon us as as things to condemn us for and when they we are really carrying those burdens in the world from the world to God you understand we are carrying sometimes the burden of the sin of the world and yet they are looking at us through their own sin but placing it on us instead you know so Jesus was carrying the burdens of the world when he was here and the people who lived then looked at him as though he was something to be despised but yet the despite was on them because of their sin and the way they lived their lives see you can project onto others what you carry yourself and not want to assume the responsibility for it that's the way the world does see what I'm saying and so when the world does that they need to have conviction so this church is here to raise up the standard of the world to bring the world conviction for their sin and a way out it's not conviction to condemn them but conviction with a way out so he says yet God laid on him the guilt and sins of every one of us he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he never said a word he was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb so he stood silent before the ones condemning him from prison and trial they led him away to death but who among the people of that day realized that it was their sins he was dying for that he was suffering their punishment he was buried like a criminal but in a rich man's grave but he had done no wrong and had never spoken an evil word but it was the Lord's good plan to bruise him and fill him with grief however when his soul has been made an offering for sin then he shall have a multitude of children many heirs he shall live again and God's program shall prosper in his hands and when he sees all that is accomplished by the anguish of his soul he shall be satisfied and because of what he has experienced my righteous servant shall make many to be counted righteous before God for he shall bear the, the bear all of their sins therefore I will give him the honors of one who is mighty and great because he has poured out his soul unto death he was counted as a sinner and he bore the sins of many and he pled with God for sinners so that's the living bible on Isaiah 53 in the um I'm going to talk about the things that Jesus bore, what he suffered and what he went through so that we will get a good understanding of his uh, how what he has provided for us, why it was provided and how we need to appreciate it by walking in it. You know, that's how you appreciate an inheritance. You appreciate it by carrying out the um, um, the wishes of the one who is deceased. That's how you appreciate their life is by carrying out their wishes. If you look at people, th- this is very important in in uh, in a natural way of living, a natural setting. You'll find this to be very true. Uh, Courts, if there is a will that's left by a person, the courts are obligated to carry out the wishes that person's wishes uh, to the best of their ability they they go through great pains to find all the heirs that are listed as 
as ones who are to inherit that estate. Uh, They go through great trouble to verify that those people are legitimate heirs. Uh, For instance, um, I don't know if anybody remembers it, but I think it was in the 80s. Remember Howard Hughes died? Remember the very wealthy man he lived in? He had a a bunch of uh, apartments or hotels in Las Vegas. He finally wound up living in one of the penthouse apartments that he had. And he lived a very austere life and a very um, crazy life. He was was known to be mentally deficient at the end of his life. And so... uh, but they could not find a legitimate will, even though he had, he used to, he started Boeing aircraft, I think it was. And uh, I don't know that he was still in charge of that. Others were, but he had stock in that. He started Pan American Airlines, and that the, that was sold to another company. But what turned into something else as it progressed, he had a lot of property in Hollywood and so forth and so on. And so he was um, uh, known to be a billionaire. But he never married. He never had children. And so now we're thinking nieces and nephews and all the people that tried to to manufacture evidence that they were Howard Hughes' nephew and all this kind of stuff and trying to find little pieces of paper that that uh, they had but before anything was released to them they had to that had to be made known uh to the courts you know there's there's a a legitimate way to establish your uh heirship and it's it's held uh against the court system and the judicial system if that inheritance is released to somebody that's not a legitimate heir and so great pains are gone to even though these people are dead and they can't protest and they can't speak for themselves there are great pains uh taken to make sure that your inheritance is legitimate and this is what god did for us at the cross he he jesus fulfilled every requirement to make sure that our inheritance in god is legitimate that it holds up in any court spiritual natural whatever it is it will hold up everywhere because he has provided everything that's that needs to be provided for us and so it's very very important to understand that when we talk about what Christ has provided that we appreciate and we uh, walk in everything that's provided for us not to pick and choose the things that we want now that's how sometimes uh, when a will is made it comes with conditions and stipulations like when this kid gets 21 21 and they must be married 21 and they must be married to somebody responsible or whatever needs to be done uh, the one who's called to execute the will has to do to the best of their ability uh, what that person intended and so when when Christ died and gave us his life there's an intention he has for that life he intends for us to do something with the life that we are given because an inheritance 
inheritance is very very precious it's very important Um, it's a way for the person who has passed on to live beyond their natural life and that's respected by people Uh, it's it's a, a sacred and a respectful thing to carry out the wishes of one who is departed and so we we have to understand that and that's that's what's being respected for us in our life in Christ now we are respecting the wishes of one who has passed on and has given us everything that they had in life everything that's good for us and now we are carrying out the Lord's wishes in our natural bodies and so it's a good thing to keep that in mind when we go picking and choosing what blessings we want from God or we pick and choose how we want to spend our time uh, down here on earth with the Lord we want to pick and choose uh, whether we want to pray on time or whether we want to put it off for another week or we don't want to pray at all all that kind of stuff when we consider uh, how to make decisions from minute to minute consider what was done for you the intent of Jesus Christ in giving his life for you and what he expects you to do with that life amen so let's come into agreement with that that we will from this day forward consider sacred the trust that the Lord has given us with his life down here on earth amen amen so in Isaiah 53 I'm going to read from um, the NIV I think that's what this translation is it's close to the King James but uh, that one King James is always so familiar to us you know so we have to Uh, come into a place where we can can get a good understanding something familiar it says in verse 53 I mean 53 in verse 3 it says he was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering like one from whom men hide their faces he was despised and we esteemed him not so the first thing that Jesus bore for us or took or suffered in our place was emotional pain he was rejected and he was despised so that we don't bear the uh, the emotional pain and the, the emotional I would even call it an emotional disfigurement because oftentimes when people suffer emotional trauma it leaves an impression on them that's hard to erase in fact it cannot be erased by natural means uh, and the, the way we know that is the prisons are full of people who have had emotional disfigurement uh, mental institutions are filled with people who have had emotional disfigurement uh, and we don't have to go that far we've got dysfunctional families we've got the functionally disfigured you know people who have not had to cash it all in and and get custodial care but they're walking around wounded and so when it talks about what Jesus took in our place taking this pain of rejection this emotional pain the pain of being despised and pushed off into a corner is extremely important he took that and it's extremely important for us why because we can exchange 
all of our pains, all of our sorrows, all of our feelings of rejection, all of our feelings of being left out, all of our feelings of being pushed into a corner and being insignificant. We can take all of those feelings and put them over on him and receive in its place his wholeness. His life makes us whole. But you got to put your faith in it. You can't just say, uh, I'm, I'm redeemed. You know, the worst thing that Christians do is I say we spend too much time around each other uh, sparring about things that don't mean anything. We'll get around each other and get into these religious discussions and arguments and, and all of this nonsense when really we just need to put our faith in God that he's redeemed us and seek wholeness from him instead of further, further damaging one another with a bunch of further emotional pains and so forth and so on. You know sometimes people will ask you how you're doing because they like putting you on the spot. And I've been there. We've all been there. You get around church people, man, and, and they can, can rip you one, up one side and down the other. Because I think we're not taught enough how to uh, take care of one another in the church. We're not taught the responsibility of praying for one another. We're not taught the responsibility of encouraging one another when we're in, when it, when we're in one another's midst. When you're in the midst of believers, you are to seek to build up the church and not tear the church down and so when we find ourselves sparring with one another and jousting with one another we need to lay that down because there's no reason for it because Jesus has taken all the feelings that we have of rejection inadequacy all we're trying to do is put our junk over on somebody else most times we're just trying to get rid of that in the worst way by making sure that somebody else is less fortunate less able less something than we are you we start feeling full of ourselves and then we want to start uh, making light of somebody else but God has has made a way for us to be mature and responsible in the way we respond to the gospel and respond to the work of the cross and that we can go there and lay these things down before God and receive his healing receive his his uh, um, restoration and receive wholeness for him and so when we talk Talk about him bearing our emotional pain it says that he was despised and rejected so that's the ultimate of of discomfort when it comes to interacting with people to feel like you don't belong to feel like and, and the devil manufactures ways to exclude people doesn't he he'll manufacture uh, uh, things like uh, um, you know class systems like in India uh, they have uh, different systems where you can't interact with persons on a certain level and then you get on the low level and you you just receive the waste of life you know and so Jesus died for that for people who live in a class structure uh, to be made whole I thank God that for the gospel being preached by missionary people that will go into some of these dark areas and preach to people who are, are cast down because it gives them hope 
It gives them, I mean, even if the system never changes, you can change how you respond to the system because at the cross you're made whole. Jesus shed his blood for your wholeness to restore you from emotional pain, uh, emotional disfigurement. He restructures us and restores us and gets us back to our former glory and our former beauty. uh, Because at one time we were beautiful in his eyes. And the devil hated that. And so he, he made it his business to find a way to disfigure humanity. So much so that we see people now... Uh, in in uh, depraved conditions of of uh, um, of living, uh, some of the worst ones I can think about is prostitutes who just uh, go from one place to another and, and sleep with one something that's sacred and is supposed to be reserved for one person uh, for the rest of your life now just gets given to anybody you know and I think that's the height of human depravity is to live that way or people who live homeless um, all they do is just live out of garbage cans and sleep anywhere because they don't have a sense of of being healed and restored from that great emotional pain that they bear and so these these things are extremely important for us you know the fact that nothing Jesus did is a lightweight thing you know what I'm saying? It's not just something you can put check off a checklist and say, oh, you know, that well, that was good that he did that. It's good, and we need to take partake of it, amen, so that when we can be made whole, and he's preparing us for a greater level of living at some point than what we've lived before. See, if you know he bore your sins, rejection, betrayal, people despising you, you can go into all the world and feel confident when you speak to somebody that God will, will cause them to respond in a correct way to you. You got me? You'll never get into all the world without having that stuff taken off of you that fear of rejection that fear of they don't accept me I'm different than they are the fear that that they won't like me etc etc and so we must have this restoration done we must visit the cross we must understand what has been done for us so that we can carry out the terms of the will we can carry out the, the directions and the um, uh, instructions and the desires of Jesus who died for us and left us this ministry of reconciliation. If we haven't partaken of it, we will never be able to help somebody else to partake of it. You just won't be able to do it. And so the more whole we can be, the more uh, we can understand uh, where we're at and what what we're doing, the, the better we are. There's more healing to be done at different stages in your life. You know, there there's some things that will become issues for you uh as a single person you'll have certain issues as a married person you'll have certain issues Uh, as you get older in life you have certain issues so you're always going to have this fear that you don't belong and fear that you won't be accepted and fear of this and fear of that and Jesus died to take that away he died for that to be healed and for that to be restored and for you to be made whole and to come out of that shell a feeling that there's something wrong with you you got me
you this this is this is something that's very important because when you talk about it in in verse 6 it talks about him bearing our iniquities and we'll get to that so when we get there you'll understand why everybody's stained with this emotional pain this rejection this fear of something uh, because it hovers over us all of the time so in verse 5 in verse 4 it says he bore our pains our sorrows and our rejections so there's really nothing else you can think about so on an emotional and a soulish level we've been restored and we have a right to go to God whenever we see upset whenever we see dysfunction in us whenever we see uh, emotional turmoil or emotional disgruntlement or something like that sometimes we're we're under some emotional duress because we uh, are in new situations and God can make us understand that he you know said, so, well you're just reacting to this because it's new to you you know let me help you to make the adjustment so you can get comfortable so you can feel a part of things so that you can feel blessed and all of that I've had people to come to me they where they've come to the meetings before they came uh, years ago and you never see them and then they come back and, and every now and then you'll get the rare person who will say you know when I was here before I didn't understand misunderstanding is a great way to get your feelings hurt you got me it's a great way to step into a situation and assume it's supposed to be a certain way and you find out it's not and then you are stuck with your feelings about it and you don't know how to get beyond your feelings and this is what happens many times with people they someone they told me recently i i I didn't understand how God wanted me to connect with you when I was here. And this is very important because sometimes we'll want to transfer a relationship from one situation to the next situation and we don't understand how to fit into the new relationship. Now this is this is a common problem. It's a common problem in churches too. I can remember um starting in a church or starting in a ministry and not being sure where God wanted me to be I was a capable person I was accustomed to working and doing things and then I learned that God had to speak to that person in charge about me first before he could put me into anything you know and I've seen it happen with people who are leaders and people ministers and people like that we we get into it sometimes with ministers who want to come to the conference and, and God drew you there. He didn't, your name isn't on the flyer, so you're not a speaker, and you're not there to minister to people unless you're called upon. But they'll take people in the back and start laying hands on them, wanting to see them fall, and all that kind of stuff. Or go, you take them in the aisle and do it, or take them aside and pray for them or prophesy. And that's just wrong. You know, it's always wrong. It's never right. You know, if if you have something for someone, come up to the person in charge and let them release you to be able to do the things that God wants you to do and and it'll work out right and so these misunderstandings that we have about 
how we're to carry ourselves into different situations. And I would be so glad just to sit for a change if I had to preach twice a week for years, every day, day after, week after week, and and year after year. I'd be so glad to sit and receive. You know, who needs to? You know, come on now. Let's let's just be normal here. Let's be normal. And so I just believe it's it's misunderstandings many times that drive wedges between people. You know, and then when people disconnect, then they've got to have a reason for the disconnect. And so that's where the blame comes in. Well, they didn't treat me right, and they didn't recognize me, and they didn't know, you know, they didn't do this. And then I told them I was, why God sent me there, and they never responded, so I left, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's not really right at all. And so when we talk about that, that emotional pain, that we get through misunderstanding. And that's usually what it is. We can all speak English, but we don't speak the same language. You know, it's just just the way it is. And so God has to translate for us. Amen. You have to go to God with your emotional pain and your your false pride and all this kind of stuff. And they don't do me right. And you know, I don't ever get a fair shake anymore. And all that kind of stuff. And 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 God allows us to go through this to see what we do with it are we gonna is he are we gonna let him train us to go back to the cross each time these things happen and say god you know there's something wrong here i I need to to get an understanding from you for how to and i always go to god to win people over i don't go to him to to accuse people and make them wrong and me right because you're still not reconciled you just right in your corner and i'm right in my corner and so you need to be brought back together in harmony and fellowship again and this is what the cross is for it's to to take away the sting of relationship y'all understand that because we're all prickly little little uh, porcupines, you know, very touchy. <laughs> we want to stab them before they get close to us. <laughs> this is true. This is this is unfortunately this is the condition of humanity. You got me? And I would say without Christ, but we have Christ some of us and we still keep the same habits. So we have to learn how to let God help us in the restoration process. It's there for you. It's been paid for for you. But you got to have the humility to go to him consistently to get these things straightened out. Don't ever take matters into your own hands because you'll goof them up even more. So it says here he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering, like one who men hid their faces. He was despised and we did not esteem him. But it says here in verse 4, well surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Now that means without fail. There is no pain that Jesus cannot heal you of and restore you from and build up a strength in you where those things don't hurt you as much anymore got me he takes the touchiness away and I believe that if we will open up our hearts and love to God first and love him and trust him and in trusting him he opens us up to other people 
That's how that works. You don't go make it your job to ingratiate yourself to everybody so that they'll like you. That's a lot of work. And there's no guarantee it will work for you. The only thing it'll do is frustrate you and make you more angry. Well, I've done so and so and such and such. And they still aren't satisfied. And they never will be. Because what you need is a supernatural touch from God. So that when he starts to work these things for you, they work. And so he gives you that assurance. And so it says that he was pierced for our transgressions. Man, it was not for anything he did. He was pierced for our transgressions. In in other words, for our tendency toward lawlessness. We had no tendency toward righteousness before we were saved. And crushed for our iniquities. So iniquity has been taken away by the cross. And he suffered in our place in these things. And it says the punishment that brought peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. So this is a legal description of what Jesus did for us at the cross. It's not a relational like verses 3 and 4 are totally relational. He took our emotional pain. He took our rejection. He took our sorrows. Those are emotional and soulish if you want to say that. But they have to do with the, the condition that you live in. In your soul and in your emotions. And so that's the benefit there. He took it and that's the result of it. The emotional pain is gone so we can live free of emotional pain and live in harmony. But then verse 5 is a legal description that he was pierced for our transgressions as was required by law. You can say that. This was required by the law of God. That somebody pay the penalty for our sins. Every time you break the law, a penalty must be extracted. He was crushed for our iniquities. Iniquity, it refers to a moral evil or perversity. So this is your inward tendency to desire sin and like it. Men, so God will change your likes. I remember people saying that when we we first we get you know we were first saved. You know how you go to a church where, thank God, the pastor was good at reassuring people of their salvation. You know, it's too bad you couldn't get reassured of your salvation and be equipped to do the work of the ministry in the same place. But, you know, praise God you got it. You, you understand wherever you got it, you got it. And so, uh, but but they were good at, at, at reassuring you of your salvation. And I can remember uh, he, him preaching one time and he said, he said, you know, I was talking to a young man and, and he said, and, I, and God was telling me, he said, you you got to make sure that you preach the cross and let people know what 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 change has taken place in them. You know, and, and, and it's, it's like you look at your hands, your hands are new and look at your feet and they are too. But you have to go beyond that to reassure people that this blood cleanses you continually. Like continually we are confronted with temptation. What are you going to do about that? You've got to make sure that you know that, that you're not just because you had a wicked thought 
you're not knocked out of the covenant and you can't get back in. You know what I'm saying? You, you've got to understand. The Bible says God even makes a way for his banished ones to return. The ones that he casts out himself, he makes a way back. Why? Because we're always in his heart. He'll make a way back for us. He can't forget us. He said, can a mother forget her nursing child? My goodness, I don't forget you. I know where you're at and I want you back. That's what he wants. He wants us back. And so in verse 5, it says, we're talking about iniquity. And iniquity really is that, uh, and, and it's also, iniquity really refers to fault. So that when you have this sense of of desiring the wrong things on the inside of you, there's a sense of iniquity. With iniquity comes not only the desire and the carrying out of sin, but also the guilt and the sense for a need for punishment comes with that. That's all part of iniquity. See, it's all part of iniquity. That's why people who who sin as Christians and then try to hide it will eventually tell on themselves because the guilt stays with them all the time. So that's iniquity as a package like that. It's got the bad stuff you're not supposed to do and the desire to do it and feel good about it and then the guilt and all that other stuff comes in one package. So it's like, how can I get rid of this guilt? Well, you stop sinning, number one, and then you recognize and believe that iniquity has been removed by the work of the cross. Amen. And it's not about talking yourself out of feeling guilty. It's accepting by faith the complete work that he did. You've got to understand, he did a whole complete package. So it's not like you sin and confess it and you you ask God to forgive you and you feel like, uh, you know, well, he he just said he forgave you and that's all there is to it there is a completion of your forgiveness in you there's a work in you that it must do in order for it to be a valid work other than that we just continue going around we'd be walking on eggshells afraid of ourselves when God says that we have confidence and we have boldness in approaching God you can't you can't feel good about yourself and have the guilt from your, your last thing that you did wrong, whether you intended to do it or not. You can't carry that around with you and feel good before God or even before man. Don't feel bad all the time. And so you've got to understand how to get yourself in that place of knowing that you're forgiven. It's one thing to say it and to chant it and to slap your neighbor and high five him and tell him his sins are forgiven. That's just playing with, with things. There's, this has to do with relationship to what was done at the cross. A relationship to God and reassuring yourself that, that this is real and it's taken place and you walk it out. That your conscience is purged from dead works. And you can confidently serve the living God. You're not afraid you're going to mess everything up. You're not afraid to step out in faith. You're not afraid to step out confidently and boldly with God so that you can let him work through you. That's the whole crux of it is separating yourself from your sin, stepping into Christ, and he works through you. 
that's where your confidence is that Christ in you is your confidence amen and so once you're sure that that that's where you live then stay there and and live there but I'm telling you iniquity uh, has its its components that sometimes will get away from us we can be so concerned about uh, God forgiving us and not understanding what total forgiveness really means when you're forgiven what does that mean does that mean that God just said he forgave you and you you know got the sweat off your brow but then you're looking for something bad to happen or you're looking for the shoe to fall because you don't understand that the penalty and the guilt and all that has been removed from the cross so stay there until you get assured that that's gone you know don't leave that place of where the blood flows to help you in order and until you get that assurance that that's gone and then you can move boldly and confidently boldness is not pushing God to one side and walking in the throne room boldness is understanding that you can stand there without shame and you can stand there without feeling that you shouldn't be there or doubting that you should be there you can be confident that God will bless you according to what he has said he will do exactly what he said he's going to do for you in the blessing area because he's done what he needed to do for you in the atonement area got me so you got to have faith and confidence in both of them uh, many Christians go around and backslide and get back into sin because they and they'll they're preachers and teachers and have never walked in the reality of their sins being forgiven and the restoration from emotional pain you can tell sometimes from their preaching they're always trying to get even with people that persecuted them when they were growing up you know or in the church or you know when I was in the church people used to make fun of us because of this this and this and I never felt like I measured up blah 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 blah. why are you still talking about that if you've been to the cross and, and you've been atoned all that's been atoned why are you still talking about that why are you keeping it alive and it's not just talking about it in testimony it's it's a real live event for them it's a pain for them even now and and in in your in your subconscious or in your moments of, of where the enemy works in dark areas of your soul you can be plotting revenge against those people every single time you step up in the pulpit you're going to show them that God look what God's done for me you know I got my own plane I've been to 15 countries or whatever whatever look what he's done for me and you can plot your own demise by not taking full advantage of what he's done to get you free from emotional pain and rejection and sorrow all the things that cause you sorrow growing up he took that and he will will heal you from it you stay there until you're healed until you're whole even when God would circumcise the the men in the nation of Israel, it says they stayed in the camp until they were whole. He never sends you out to battle with pain and suffering in your body, with pain and, and iniquity and with open wounds and weaknesses in your soul where the enemy can get in and, and lure you over to his side. And so we have to be mindful of that, that there is a strength there at the cross. Where Jesus laid it down in weakness, we pick up the result of it in confidence and in strength. And so that exchange has been made for us. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing that he's provided all of the great things he's provided for us. So he took, he is the penalty and substitute and punishment for our sins. Verse 5. 
and he restored us to a relationship of peace with God the Father but also with ourselves your greatest person to get peace with is you huh I mean there are times when you can just look for stuff to beat yourself up with if you you know get so goofy sometimes and and, you know well you shouldn't have done that look at you just picking that stuff up for no good reason you know look at you they had another brownie you know you promised yourself you wasn't going look at that you got the ice cream on top look at that look at that look at that you know all that kind of nonsense that we do it's just is just always wanting to punish ourselves when he bore our sins and carried our punishment and our sorrow. He did it already. So the penalty and substitute and punishment for our sins, that's what he did. He took all of that at the cross and restored us to peace on all levels. Amen. And not only peace in a sense of lack of, of uh, turmoil and lack of suffering, but peace in the sense of having everything restored. And that's the, to me, that's the greatest. You know, everything. I mean, nothing was missing. How dare we complain about what we lacked, you know, in our past when he's restored us to so much. You know, save your breath complaining about what you don't have and start living in what you do have and what he's working on to get you to a higher level of what you can have in the future. So this is just the the great thing. His blessings and his mercy are everlasting. They go on forever and ever. His restoration goes on every day that we live. We're being restored to something. I can't tell you that I ever have a day that I can't recall having a day where God doesn't speak to me about something and and reveal to me something I didn't know before or or embellish it in a way where it's helpful to me and it's and I have a a sense that he's he's guiding me and watching and providing for me and restoring my soul to wholeness where where you know there's a competence in God that will begin to rise up in you where you're you're not afraid to face responsibility in God and you're not afraid to to face the next turn of the road uh, because you have a sense and it's not that he's given me answers about everything 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 constantly it's just that constant reassurance that there is more to come there's something to be added there's something to look forward to there are greater things ahead there are all of these all of these ways that he speaks to us in relationship so so these things are taken care of all that was paid for by by the atoning blood of Jesus that that peace and that wholeness and that sense that there's nothing that's beyond God's ability to help you to understand and help you to walk in and to guide you with so so it's good and it goes on forever I, I feel bad for people who feel that they have it all because they've been you know we get oh, I've been saved so, so we start you you can say it in almost a bragging way like you know oh, I've been saved I've been walking with God all these years you know yeah 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 and he's still working on you too you got me because if, if you're bragging about how long you've been walking with him you're not taking advantage of, of the new and the now you're thinking something's already you know you're elevated somehow because of where you've been think about where you're going think about where you are now and that's where God wants you to live he wants you to live in the now and live in the future 
So it says in verse 6, then all we like sheep have gone astray. Each one turned his his own way. So this is for everybody. It's not that there is anybody who doesn't need this work done in them. This is for everybody. He says we've all been guilty of doing this. And the Lord has taken into account that he needed to do this for everybody. Amen. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So it's all passed away. In other words, you can live without temptation. You can live without guilt. You can live without condemnation. People feel guilty because those thoughts go through their heads and they stop them instead of letting them pass through. You got me? Because you're going to always be remembered or reminded. Something can happen in your life now and your mind will start going back and find a connection connection between that and something that you did in the past that you you wish didn't happen hadn't happened well it it the next best thing or better thing to it not having happened is to have it forgiven so your next thought should be lord i thank you that the blood of jesus paid for me to be forgiven for that you know you don't have to pretend it never happened you know we've got all kind of make believers running around the body of christ I can remember when we lived off of our testimonies. You know, you could go to a meeting. You know, if you got in a company of believers, uh, you you can tell them, you know, what what how God found you when you got saved. And many times we write write down. We had two birth dates: the date you were born naturally, the date you were born again, and then there was another one: the date you got baptized in the Holy Spirit. If that was different, you know, and and then you know sometimes you move away from your testimony. And I think when when you have these flashbacks of past wrongs, God is reminding you to refresh yourself of your testimony. Because that's the only thing you can do with that. It's just, God, I just thank you. When you saved me, you saved me from that life and that way of living. And, and help me to uh, wash away the guilt, wash away the stain, wash away the iniquity, wash away the bad feeling that I get when I think about it sometimes. You know, you wash that away. You don't try to put your mind in a happy place and get rid of it. You don't get rid of stuff like that. That's that's not atonement. Uh, there was a bloody cross that had to pay for that to get rid of that for you. And that's the higher level of living is living through the power of that cross. And God will move things into your life to kind of force you to live in the reality of the cross. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you'll get into a place where you you think you're you got it made, and then you find out there's all kinds of problems that, that come with made. You know, <laughs> like in the mafia. You know, you, you can you can be a made man in the mafia, but then you got to go kill somebody or something like that. You know, I mean, if that violates your conscience, you shouldn't want to be made. But you know what I'm saying. There's there are challenges everywhere to keep us reminded of the work of the cross. We should never forget that. You're not running around here being great and wonderful on your own and your talents. You know, it, it, some of these talents and abilities we have, we're barely in there. And we think they're so great, you know. <laughs> Sometimes God will raise up somebody to encourage you for a season. Don't get don't get comfortable being encouraged. 
because there are just as many devils out there who try to discourage you from in the same thing. So you you have to understand these things. We're big kids. We can understand these things. But the the cross is beautiful in that it, it's a total work to take care of everything past, present, and future that would bug us, separate us from God. Now we have fellowship through the blood of the cross. Don't ever forget it. That's how we have fellowship. Not because we can't think of anything we've bad we've done lately. Huh? That's iniquity right there. Self-righteousness. So the blood of the cross has enabled us to stand close, to come nigh to him. Without fear, without being afraid, without disgrace. To just bask in his love and his great desire to pardon us. To get us back into his, his fellowship. Looking at us with compassion because we're lost without him. You know, it's just true. We're so lost without God. So, he says, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Everyone turned his own way. Amen. And this is what separates us in relationships. Everybody's got his own way. I got to be right. They're wrong. And I'm going to keep talking until I convince them. And you never convince anybody of anything. Huh? Listen, I was married for 30 years. I know what I'm talking about. He never convinced. He could never convince me I was wrong, and I could never convince him he was wrong. So we had to call it a draw. <laughs> then I got smart, and I started settling for peace. See, you can be right and not have peace. You can be wrong and have peace. One has nothing to do with the other. Especially when you're talking about arguing with somebody about something that, that you know you think is a, a grave dis- disservice or, or grave or grave sin on their part. You know, it's never on our part; it's always in. But you can be perceiving things wrong. When you're angry, you don't see anything right. That's why the Bible says, "Just be angry, get over it, and don't sin." Why? Because anger will make you sin. Well, yeah. It'll get you into sin real quick. Well, God's the only one who can be angry and not sin. Do you know that? His anger does not lead him to sin. Because he's right all the time. It'll lead him to help people. Well, even if he has to distance himself from you. Amen. When he's angry. Can't look on iniquity. But he makes a way back for you. Well. He makes a way back for you. He makes a way back for you. And we all have that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. You know why that? If he had said something, he wouldn't have died for our sins. He'd have been, you understand what I'm saying? Been, he was, would have been taking it on for himself. So when he didn't open his mouth, that makes him the sacrifice. Man, a sacrifice does not, a sacrifice knows, see all of the lambs and goats that they slaughtered to atone for the sins of Israel, those animals knew they had done nothing wrong. All they, their unfortunate misfortune was to be born and selected. And that's what Jesus, he was born and selected for that. 
accused. So he opened not his mouth in defense of himself because he didn't he didn't do it for himself. He was put to death for us who deserve death. Hmm? We deserve it. He was stricken for our sins in verse 8. By oppression and judgment he was taken away and who can speak of his descendants? Oh, I'm sorry. In, 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 I'm sorry. In verse 5, I didn't talk about the fact that we are healed by his wounds. The substitution of his whipping takes away our pain. It's interesting that we read that and we know it. But it's never made as real to us as it could be sometimes because we don't meditate on it. And this is one of the, this is one of the, I guess you can say, uh, um, it's kind of an inner conflict that we have about the cross. We, we want to accept it, but we don't want to think about it. You don't want to think about somebody being beat up and punished. Because and, I noticed that about myself even now. And I, I've taught this for a lot of years. Sometimes when I get to the end of the Gospels, I don't have as many highlights in there. I don't have as many comments on the side. I kind of like to skim through that part because it's painful for me to think about that and then to meditate on the fact that it was done because of I cuss or I say wrong things or I treat people bad. Sometimes he did. That's why that happened to him. See, you can skim through the things that you should take note of and spend more time with. That's all I'm saying. Because sometimes your emotions, your 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 natural emotions or your fleshly emotions can rob your spirit man of the the um, acceptance of things and the richness in certain things by taking over when you start understanding these things. See, if you can spend enough time meditating on the cross and what was done, what that means, what it means for you, why did God the Father demand that? How important is that in your life? You can get your healing out of it. You can get your your forgiveness out of it. You can extract those things from those words and those accounts if you will let them work on your soul and keep your emotions, your 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 physical man emotions from robbing your spirit man of the richness that is in there for you. Now, I'm not saying you do that, but I I catch myself doing it and I know why I do it. Because my my carnal man still senses guilt about that and so if I cannot spend so much time thinking about how that how hurtful that makes me feel that Jesus had to do that because of my bad habit or my my bad manners or my bad whatever then then I don't feel as bad right then about that you know what I'm saying and I could skip over to a blessing or an epistle or something like some more fun to read you know what I'm saying and and I think sometimes we do ourselves grave injustice 
Because I know it works. Meditation works. See, there's a cleansing that comes to your carnal soul when you meditate on the Word of God. And the Bible says all Scripture is profitable for proof and correction and all of those things and building us up and making us whole and complete and all that. And if there are some things that we like skipping over when we read a little bit, or we read them real fast and you say, oh, there's Pilate, I know it's coming. Uh-oh. And you brace yourself for that pain that you feel because you feel responsible. You just do. I can remember when when people would say things like, oh, the Jews, the Jews killed Jesus. And I feel kind of like a relief on the inside. I'm talking about as an immature Christian. You know, God's taught me a lot since then. I thank God for it. And then I heard Billy Graham said, you know, people say the Jews killed. We all killed him. And I thought, oh boy, here it comes again. You know, the the responsibility for that. And and so they were just instruments, you know. But the sin was was done by everybody. You know, the Jews and the Romans did it. The world and the church killed him. He was he was not accepted anywhere. And so and that was God's design. And so I believe if there it is the same thing, say for instance, if if you know that you've done something wrong and you see it in the Bible, you skip over that scripture. You know, you feel conviction when you read it and you say, Oh boy, that's me and you keep going to read faster. You know what I'm saying? You should stop there and let that work on you because uh, that's what that's there for this is your mirror you have to conform to it if you looked in the mirror and you saw a hair out of place you you go fix it it's the same thing with the bible you look in it and you see something in your heart out of order you stay there until you fix it see it's, that's what it's for that's the beauty of the word and it's between you and God it's not like he tells the whole church that you did something wrong it's you and God dealing with you making you whole doing what the atonement was made to do and that's to bring confidence strength wholeness completeness to everybody who would believe and so it's for all of us to partake of this and so when we meditate on Jesus taking stripes what does that mean it means that he was given lashes for each disease every time those Roman officers hit him with their cat of nine tails and he bled he bled so that you don't have to bleed you don't have to suffer you don't have to take sickness upon you and you got to sit and let that sink in you got to let that sink in. There was a purpose for that. And we don't gloss it over. We appreciate it. You know, I've learned how to, to read the Bible with thanksgiving for a change. Instead of speed reading or trying to get a message. or trying Let me rob God. Here we go. Robbing him of his word and not letting it do a work in me the way it's supposed to. God, I thank you for that scripture. That settles it. That's my answer. That's where I can see you're helping me. Thank you for helping me. And not letting me go on in darkness where I would stumble and suffer penalty for it. Thank you for helping me beyond that. And and it's a good thing, folks. It's a good thing. So he was put to death for us who deserve death. That's in verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth. Led like a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before his shears. It's dumb or silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. 
is taken away by oppression and judgment. That's why Jesus died. To save us from that. And it says he was assigned to a grave with the wicked. Cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth. So he was assigned a grave with the wicked. So he died a sinner's death. Amen. He died under condemnation. He died under penalty. So he was identified with the wicked in that way and that sin was placed on him. But also with the rich in his death because he had to be placed in a tomb where God could raise him from the dead. You know and all of the things that needed to be done for him could be done. And so he he had to be properly funeralized in order for God to raise him up the way he wanted to. And he says that he was assigned a grave with the wicked and the rich in his death though he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth. In other words, he didn't try to talk his way out of this. Yet it was God's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. So uh, the King James says it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Why? Because from that one sacrifice, the purpose of the sacrifice is for the benefit of others. How many others? An innumerable company. Almost, we can't even count how many. You got me? So God was pleased because he saw his son being made a sacrifice, which he raised up. Amen. Because God's not a loser. That sacrifice is not the same sacrifice as it was under the old covenant. This is a better one. Better for everybody. Because now Jesus is raised up in glory, in greater power. He sacrificed everything he sacrificed in the natural got raised up in a spiritual fashion to live forever so everything you sacrifice of your natural life gets raised up in a spiritual life which is an everlasting life you can be more productive now as a believer than you ever could have been I don't care what great things you could have done for humanity how many uh, penicillins you could have developed and all of those wonderful things you can do that's only your natural man accomplishments when you sacrifice that or sow that natural life every time you you deny your your flesh the the luxury of fleshing out and you allow your spirit man to assume control of your life you grow exponentially it's it's like the differences beyond comparison the things that God does for instance your words when you were an unbeliever you you talk sickness you now you're able to forget that part and consider not that part of your life consider it dead and now you talk health you talk resurrection and you can actually make that happen for other people you couldn't do that as 
is a sinner. The worst, the best you could do was mess somebody up, giving them false hope for a healing when there was not. I mean, if that was what you were going to do with your talking, and <laughs> I won't even go there, but there are believers that do that now. You know what I'm saying? They're not in there where they can make those assurances to people. And so it says, it pleased the Father to do this. It was the Lord's will, in verse 10, to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. So Jesus saw the light of life again. He was raised from the dead. By his knowledge or by relationship with him, my righteous servant will justify many. That's you and that's me. I'm so thankful for that. By his knowledge, not by what he knows, but by his relation. That word knowledge refers to intimacy, intertwining, and relationship. So by his life being lived in us, he can bring, he can justify many people. In other words, he makes us righteous too. A one time act before the throne of God, we are justified, which means the penalty's been paid. There's nothing on our account anymore. Go live a happy life in him. Got me? And he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great. and He will divide the spoils with the strong. Thank God we are the strong. He's dividing the spoils of this spiritual war with us. That's why he can restore sevenfold what the devil steals. That's why he can uh, guarantee us to be healed if we're sick. That's why he can cause us to walk in divine health to avoid all this nonsense. He's dividing a portion and the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors, bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors so on the cross he made he said when Jesus said forgive them they know not what they do that prayer was left for everybody on the earth that's how people get saved but that one prayer down there all of those people that mocked him and that's for, for us when we didn't know better we made fun of Christians we mocked God we made fun of people who went to church all the time y'all just go to church all the time you can't have no fun right Forgive them. They, we, he, he prayed for us crazy people talking like that when we were crazy people. Huh? He prayed for the self-righteous. You know, the Pharisees that were standing by smiling and grinning. We got him now. We can have our temple back. He lets the religious have their dead churches. Huh? Amen. So he died for all levels of sin and, and ignorance you know blasphemy and all of the things that we we've done and said wrong he he was put to death for that and he interceded that that sin would not be laid to us and we would have a way in to salvation amen he did that as a man on earth pleading to bless the earth with the atonement and with with salvation with the hope of salvation so many are justified because of the sins of the world are gone and they've been nailed to the cross. People who take 
take that by faith and who confess and who uh, line up with God's requirement for entering into the kingdom uh, will receive the kingdom man one of the problems we have with with uh sometimes people get deceived into uh this this some kind of little teaching or doctrine uh what's his name I picked this up i don't know how he got it but it's it seems to be a little virus that gets sown you know into iniquity you know when you hear the word of god you need to hear it with a pure heart you can't go in you know that people will go in with sometimes motives and want to hear hear who gets talked about in the sermon today and all that kind of nonsense we we need to be hearing for us you know and, and hear with a pure heart because it's easy to to get things screwed up but carlton pearson that's who i'm trying to think about he he makes the statement everybody's saved already and he can point to scriptures that talks about uh, the atonement you know and uh, god for you know loves the world forgave everybody yeah but they gotta they gotta agree with that individually because they will stand before him individually so you can't give blank and what happens is you wind up giving blanket sanction to sin every single time and and begin to help the problem instead of being the answer they think preaching and putting people under conviction for their sin they think there's something wrong with that jeez you wonder if they really got saved i mean sometimes you wonder about people like this you know they <laughs> there's some real good pretenders out here i found out but you know what i'm saying you but then there's deception too where in your heart there's iniquity that you never confess yourself and get it right between you and god usually religious people are like that they hold on they like to hold on to something that they can judge either god or his word or god's people by they just can't let people go and stuff go they always got to be watching everybody and so it's it's unfortunate that that happens because there's so much here that we can partake of with a pure heart you know and, and god does all the work he purifies your heart you know renewing your mind in the word will cleanse your soul renew your mind so that when thoughts come to you you think the thought of god and then you judge that thought that comes to you it's either acceptable or it's not acceptable if it's against the word of god you cast it down and you don't entertain it you you let it pass through just well i don't want that it's not the word of god and god's word says and you correct that thought and bring it under obedience bring it into submission you know cast it down and chasten it and bring it under obedience to the knowledge of god that's that's what your life is as a believer so god wants us to take partake of everything that this covenant has caused us to be restored to how much time do i have there miss Juana? oh okay what can we do in seven minutes have you heard the one about the <laughs> white that white that praise god i think i'll have to save this for another time because there is way too much here yeah i'm going to read it again from the living bible because i really like that translation for us for today you know god will honor time spent with him that's the other part of it too time spent with him and i can't stress the with him 
enough. You know, not him and a lot of dolling up things, you know, like, and when I mean, say with him, I mean your word, your Bible, you know what I'm saying, and and meditating. Because that's how we connect to God in a pure form, is through his word. Study and reading, meditating on his word, stopping and pausing periodically to reflect on things that he may draw to your attention. Go into the word with a purpose. God, I want to be uh, built up in you. Whatever you have for me today, I want to partake of that. And I know we all know this, and I wouldn't be saying it if we didn't need to know it again. But these things are these are the foundation of our relationship with God, and God has so much that He has planned for us. I want to make sure that we all stay on a firm foundation. You don't want to slip. You don't want to. You spent. You know, if we say we've known God all these years, you don't want to slip in your old age into God and <laughs> have a slip and fall out of his will. You know, you want to you want to stay tight with God. And so I just believe in spending time with him, fellowship with him, uh, you know, not a bunch of noise and, and music in the background and singing crazy songs that people who hardly know God as well as you do make up. You know, if we knew where a lot of stuff came from, we'd be less enamored with it, I think. But, you know, that quiet time where you get in the Word of God and you understand God and you talk to Him and and you allow Him to minister His truth to Him. Read the parts of the Bible that give you a little grief, make you sweat a little bit, make you feel like I got something to, uh, you know, to correct or I got got a ways to go, you know. no, the, 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 the feeling that comes from the people we'd like to avoid. <laughs> I used to think about that. How uh, people would talk about how Brother Summerall would make them feel. Oh, he's rough and he's gruff. No, he's anointed. That's what you're reacting to. Uh, you know, in the, in the body of Christ, it's always an issue of light. And if your light is not as strong as somebody else's is, then you'll feel that difference. You know, you, you'll feel it. You'll, you'll know. It, 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 the worst thing you can do is fight their light. You need to try and embrace as much of it as you can. Let that light minister to you. Uh, many times, you know, you want to get around people who you look up to in ministry, and, and then when you get in their presence, all you can do is shut up and listen. Because <laughs> that's really all there is to do. You know, uh, don't be foolish and run your mouth the whole time, you know, and let them know that you don't know anything. So, you know, I've been in situations like that. I remember we had a little reception somewhere. Uh, partners of Oral Roberts Ministry were able to meet Richard and, and uh, you know he said oh just come on and we'll share a few things I've got some time before I have to minister and all of that and and people were rushing up just talking about nonsense and I'm thinking to myself you know why don't you just shut up and listen to what he might have to say to you you know what and 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 uh, that always struck me because many times we don't know how to connect properly with people. You know, I mean, you can love their teaching and desire their ministry or, or something about them attracts you to them. And then 
you can long for for months or pray for it for months or years to get a chance to meet him or something. And then the devil comes up and puts something stupid in your mind to steal the richness of that meeting away from you. You know, it just happens all the time. And so, you know, you just, you, I just say that to say, you know, we, we, we need to always be mindful of good ways to connect with people of power you know sometimes you'll feel that greater anointing and and you'll kind of feel like speechless or dwarfed or uncomfortable in some way don't let that get in your flesh Um, bask in the light (laughs) you know what I'm saying just bask in it receive it suck it up that's like when we would go to more Cirillo that anointing was so strong, man, it could knock you off your feet if you didn't know how to stand up there. And, and uh, you know, I thought to myself, I said, boy, I said, how do these people, and you would see all kinds of people get invited to speak at his meetings. And you wonder sometimes, did they really get from him what God wanted them to have especially when you see them go out and fail after you know there's no excuse for somebody some people after you've had all these connections with all of God's best people and you still mess things up something's not right see don't know how to relate to to the light in the right way you don't go in fighting the light and and condemning the light but you let that light shine on you illuminate some of your dark areas offer them up to God and say God I see why I was around that person Uh, there's some things in me I need to correct you know some I was wanting to be around them for one reason and you wanted me around them for another that kind of stuff learn how to correct yourself while you're correctable and God will bring you power but Isaiah 53 but oh how few believe it who will listen amen you're going to get more turn downs from the gospel than you get acceptances you know if you continually preach the gospel to whom will God reveal his saving power in God's eyes he was like a tender plant so God always loved Jesus he was dear to him he wasn't a throwaway son is why he let him he was precious to him is why he let him go to the cross he says but in our eyes there was no attractiveness at all nothing to make us want him we despised him rejected him a man of sorrows acquainted with the bitterest grief we couldn't have appreciated him because we didn't have the vision of God for Christ at that time we were carnal in darkness everybody the whole world was in darkness we turned our backs on him and looked the other way when he went by he was despised and we didn't care yet it was our grief he took it was our sorrows that weighed him down we thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins remember they said oh he saved everybody let him come down from let him save himself says but he was wounded and bruised for our sins he was beaten that we might have peace he was lashed and we were healed amen every time he was lashed we were healed we everyone and you know we should endeavor to believe that we can't just say oh okay you know and but we need to endeavor to believe that embrace all of this try to make it your own do the best you can meditate on it embrace it appreciate it I appreciate Jesus that you were beaten so that I could be healed show me how to show that appreciation I'll spend more time meditating on my healing scriptures I'll spend less time complaining about how I don't feel well and 
you know, trying to baby myself and pamper myself. That's no way to get healed. You get healed by meditating on what he did. He said, we, every one of us, have strayed away like sheep. We who left God's path to follow our own. Yet God laid on him the guilt and sins of every one of us. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he never said a word. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. He stood silent before the ones condemning him. From prison and trial they led him away to death. But who among the people of that day realized that it was their sins that he was dying for. That he was suffering for their punishment. And he was buried like a criminal but in a rich man's grave. But he had done no wrong and had never spoken an evil word. But it was the Lord's good plan to bruise him and fill him with grief so that we could be restored and he can have multitudes of children and many heirs and he shall live again and God's program shall prosper in his hands amen amen so we are part of God's program prospering in his hands so remember that appreciate it and we'll finish next time amen praise God amen 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 praise thank you ma'am thank you ma'am Miss J. Lou Praise God. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. By his stripes you were healed. He took